Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Our reading this evening is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 1, reading verses 12 to 26. You'll find this on page 1092 in the Church Bibles. Acts chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled, in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, So they called that field in their language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, everyone. Let's pray as we begin. Our Father in heaven, Uh, You have wonderful and important things to say to us. Uh, Your word is powerful. Your spirit is powerful. Please, Lord, might we all hear good things in your word this evening and respond with faith and trust and love and obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever thought, I'm not sure I should trust the Bible? It can be hard, can't it, when questions about whether we should trust the Bible come up. 
This book is so important for us. It's foundational for Christianity, isn't it? There's, there's so much weight resting upon it. And we wonder whether it can bear that weight. Maybe we're unsure because we hear people saying funny things about how it came to be written or which books were chosen to be in the Bible or maybe it was something that was said at school or or you read something on the internet and uh, maybe it was said with such certainty and it undermines what we thought about the Bible. Or maybe we're unsure because of the content of the Bible. There's some stuff which is hard to believe. The miracles, the the resurrection of Jesus. Or maybe it's because there's some stuff which is hard to accept. Things about how we live our lives as Christians. We find ourselves wondering, should we trust the Bible? Always in life we need to do our checks, don't we? Uh, You've got to check the foundations, most literally with buildings. You need to check the foundations. You know the leaning tower of Pisa? Do you know why it's leaning? Because the foundations are only three meters deep and in ground far too soft to support it. It's the same with all building work we do. It's the same with our building work we were doing in in this building and over there. We discovered there were basically no foundations on one corner of the church center. That was a surprising thing to discover. And so when you're buying houses, I know some of you are sort of in that process or have done that, what do you always do? You get a surveyor in to check the quality before you buy it. It's the same with financial investments. You do your checks. Is it a financially solid business? What's it built on? Will it last? So you get the accountants in to do some checks. And on our banking apps these days, They're always warning you, aren't they, first? Could this be a scam? Before transferring the money, they want you to pause. Go back and check. Is this legit? Well, so also with Christianity, it's right to do some checks. Go back sometimes, right to the beginning, and see, was it legitimate? How good are the foundations? Where did this book come from? And who wrote it? Well, I think that's what this section in Acts chapter 1 is doing. Last week, we saw they were told to wait for the Holy Spirit. So they're waiting, and and Luke could have jumped straight there to when the Holy Spirit comes. That's in chapter 2. But like with surveyors and accountants, this section may not scream drama, but it is essential as it's making sure the foundations are just right. Next week. We'll be into the drama. For the recording, this following section was not recorded properly on Sunday, and so I'm going to uh, re-record it now. So then, looking at our foundations, we've two points today, and the first is this. Trust the apostles. They were not compromised. Trust the apostles. They were not compromised. Verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers.
They were waiting and praying until the Holy Spirit is sent. And they're all there, all the key characters we had introduced in Luke's Gospel. The apostles were there, we met them in Luke 6. The women were there, they were named in Luke 8. And the mother and brothers of Jesus were there. And that's brilliant because they had been unsure about him through Luke's Gospel. But there is a problem. One of the apostles were missing. Judas Iscariot is noticeable by his absence from the list. Remember, he had abandoned them and betrayed Jesus. And I think this would have been unsettling for everyone because there was a very high expectation on the apostles. Let me give you some background. In the Old Testament, there were 12 tribes of Israel named after the sons of Jacob. They were super important as the foundations of the people of God. Well, in Luke 6, Jesus had taken from the large group of disciples and appointed 12 apostles. And he gave them his authority and power to teach and do miracles. So these 12 are going to be the new foundation. In Luke chapter 22, he even says they will sit on thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Later, Paul, writing about the apostles in Ephesians 2, says they, along with the prophets, are the foundation of the church. So there's a very high expectation on these men, yet one of them has just gone and betrayed Jesus, handed him over to his death. It's a shocker. So are they now all compromised? How can we trust any of them? Well, no, they are not compromised because this was always part of God's plan. Verse 15, Peter gets up to speak and he reflects on what has happened. He interprets it according to scripture. Verse 16, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. Scripture had to be fulfilled. Peter saying, on reflection, I can see that this, though terrible, was all actually part of God's plan. Verses 18 and 19 are an aside from Luke, the author, with the details of what happened to Judas. Though well known in Jerusalem, his audience are Gentiles all over the world, so he explains it to them. Verse 20, back to Peter's speech and the scriptures being fulfilled. First, Psalm 69, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it. This psalm was written by King David at a time when his enemies were out to get him and a close friend had turned against him. And Peter has reflected on that psalm and seen it is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus and Judas. And so looking back, it shouldn't have even been a surprise. It had to happen. But what to do now? Scripture guides them as they look forward. This time, Psalm 109, may another take his place of leadership. It's a similar psalm about betrayal by a known leader. And here they learn that someone else should be appointed to his place. We'll get on to the selection of Matthias in a moment. But for now, the point is that this whole sorry story of Judas need not undermine our confidence in the apostles. Not for the people at the time, not for us many years down the line. Peter's saying, OK, this isn't the end of the road for us. Yes, it was terrible, but it was also planned by God. So we go on.
Now you might ask, how did that work? People do bad things, but God plans them. What's that about? Or or a specific variant here, how can Judas be accountable when God foretold this in Scripture? It's a huge question, one for a whole sermon really. It's also a central theme in the Bible. I like to go back to Joseph. You remember his story? He had some nasty brothers who threw him in a well and then sold him into slavery. Many years later, he's basically the ruler of Egypt and his brothers come and ask him to forgive them. And Joseph says this line which shows remarkable insight into how all these things work. And in a way, it explains everything which happened in Genesis and every other example which will follow in the Bible. Joseph says this, you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That's Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. It applies to Joseph and his brothers. It applies to the suffering of David when he wrote those Psalms. It applies most of all to the cross and the betrayal of Judas. It was awful. He is guilty. He intended to harm Jesus. But God was doing a good thing in his plan, the saving of many. You see, God is so powerful, so sovereign, so wonderfully good that he turns wicked things to wonderful things. And it's the same when bad things happen now in the church or in our own lives. There's no denying how bad it is. But we know that God is so good and so powerful that his plan is to bring good even when others are planning evil. Right, now back to this original sermon. But back to the point. This means the apostles are not compromised. They've been through something terrible. They've learnt about the sovereignty of God. They're ready to go again. And the early church is ready to trust them. And so should we. Now, before getting into the specifics of what trust in the apostles looks like, I want us to see another side of this same idea. This was a response to a potential concern. Next is a reminder of the case for the apostles. So, uh, secondly, trust the apostles, they were chosen eyewitnesses. Trust the apostles, they were chosen eyewitnesses. Now, they need another apostle to make up the twelve, and how they choose this twelfth man is included to remind us about the qualifications that they all have. And there are two things that matter when it comes to apostles. First is that they were eyewitnesses of everything. That's verses 21 and 22. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. All the apostles had to be eyewitnesses of Jesus. Couldn't be an apostle if you weren't an eyewitness of Jesus, especially Jesus risen from the dead, because the facts actually matter. Christianity is based on the claim that Jesus died and rose again and is now still alive in heaven. He's the Lord and Savior, 
And so we need to be sure this is true. We need to know that right at the beginning, there were eyewitnesses. People who saw him alive. And these 12, the foundation members of the church, were able to say, I was there. I was there from the beginning. I saw Jesus as he was baptized by John the Baptist. And I saw him going around healing people. And I remember the things that he said. And I saw him welcome the little children. And I saw him on the cross. And I'll never forget the sight of him there. And I saw where he was buried. And I saw him risen. I was there for the next 40 days, eating with him, talking and listening. You've got to believe me, he is alive. That's what they'd say to us. He's ascended into heaven. He really is the Lord and Savior. I saw it all and I'm willing to die telling you about it. And that's really important, isn't it? That bit as well. Most of them died telling others about Jesus. Many people are willing to die for their cause, die for things they believe to be true. But no one dies for what they know in their heart they made up. The second thing for the apostles is they need to be chosen by Jesus. Verse 23. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. The apostles, being the foundations of the church, needed to be chosen by Jesus. The human aspect of things had to be removed. So that's why they cast lots. And you might say, should we be casting lots today to decide things? And I think a case could be made that we probably don't need to be doing that anymore. We have the Spirit now, after Pentecost, who guides us in making wise choices. But here, at this point, it had to be lots. The, the apostles, they're so important and so unique that they cannot just be chosen by a vote or a committee. They cannot be chosen by other people. The decision must come from Jesus. Jesus will not get it wrong. He didn't get it wrong with Judas. That was the plan. And Jesus, he knows everyone's heart and he will choose the right person. He will control the lot. And he did it with the first ones by calling them each. And he does it here with Matthias. The apostles were chosen by Jesus. And actually then, with each one of them, what Jesus then did was he was going to fill them each with the Holy Spirit as well. That's coming up. And then they will each be able to speak. And they will, they will each be able to contribute in writing to the Bible as well. It will all, therefore, come from Jesus. They are they're like 
authoritative ambassadors in another country. They genuinely speak for the government they represent. They're like a letter with a seal on it. It really is from him. And it's like on your banking app, you can say, yes, I trust this person. This guidance from the Holy Spirit actually helps us to understand a bit more about what was going on with the apostles. Because they're not actually just eyewitnesses of the facts. They're also the interpreters of the facts. If you read the Bible, or the New Testament section which the apostles wrote, the, um, the, 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 the facts and the story basically the first books about Jesus, aren't they? The Gospels. But there's lots more as well. There's all these letters and teaching from the apostles saying what it all means. They're also the interpreters of the facts. So the apostles are chosen eyewitnesses, chosen by Jesus and eyewitnesses of Jesus. And this gives us the confidence to trust them as the foundation and to trust the Bible which they wrote. People often look at Christians and they think it's strange that we believe everything that we believe based upon this book. Maybe some here this evening even think that right now. Well, my questions are, what are you basing what you believe upon? And what do you want in order to be able to believe this. Much of the things that we believe is, is really just a hodgepodge of, of things that we've heard, bits that we've heard from our parents, or from school, or on TV, or read on the internet. Some of us will have done some more reading and research, but many of us won't. Many of us will never have really examined our own beliefs. Yet, we dismiss Christianity saying, but I need to see for myself. I need to see Jesus for myself. But that's not how things work in most situations, is it? We don't usually think like that. We trust people who saw. We trust people who know more than us. Court trials are built on this, aren't they? Eyewitnesses and experts give their testimony. And we listen to them. And the more you think about it, the more you see it in every aspect of life. Doctors, car mechanics, scientists, radio commentators. How do we know they aren't all making it up? We trust them as experts and eyewitnesses. So why not also with Christianity? There's a lot of nonsense out there about how the Bible was written and about the apostles uh, Dan Brown and people like that saying it's all written much later and put together to support this sort of thing that was already going on. But you know, the serious historians, they will tell you that the apostles were real people. We have what they wrote at the time. The texts are good. The question is, if they wrote the truth, were they telling the truth? And Acts explains how they could be. They were there. They were eyewitnesses. Will we believe them? Christianity isn't based on flimsy foundations. Please don't dismiss it on those grounds. And Christians, 
this whole chapter, chapter 1 of Acts, it is written for our confidence, our confidence as we set out in mission. First half of chapter 1, if you were here last week, you remember it's confidence because of who's already involved, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Second half, we have confidence because the foundation of the apostles is good. Now, understanding this has real value for us. It means we can defend ourselves when, uh, when the, the doubts come or the accusations come. We can say, no, I believe the apostles. But that uh, understanding will also lead to action. And the action should be sticking close to what the apostles taught in the Bible. So we read it. We listen to it. And we let their interpretation guide us. We can't interpret and teach whatever we like. We follow them. And also, don't accept, uh, you might hear this sometimes, don't accept when people say, look, I want to listen to Jesus. I don't want to listen to the apostles. You ever hear that said? I, I just don't know how it makes any sense. They can't be separated. We only know what Jesus said through the writing of the apostles. Just to say this also includes Paul. Lots of people out there don't like Paul. Well, Paul later became the 13th apostle, the apostle for the Gentiles. And the same criteria is applied to him. You can read Acts chapter 9. You can read Galatians chapter 1. Did he see Jesus risen? Yes, he did. Was he chosen by Jesus? Yes, he was. And so he could be the apostle to the Gentiles. So we listen to him too. Friends, to conclude... We are in a season here at church, aren't we, uh, setting again our foundations. We've, uh, this year we've had a focus on Jesus. That verse, to live is Christ, to die is gain. We've had a renewed emphasis on prayer, like the apostles, being happy to wait and pray and see what God does. And this is an excellent thing for us. A really good time for us. But remember, how do we draw near to Jesus? Via the teaching of the apostles. That is by opening up the Bible, studying it prayerfully. We may be in a season of stripping back some things. But we won't strip back from the word of God. At all times and in all places, we bring Jesus in. Through teaching in his word. This is us keeping our foundations secure. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you very much that you speak to us by your word. Thank you very much that we have this book, the Bible, and that we know that it's a good book from you, reliable and trustworthy. Thank you for the apostles. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for choosing them and showing them everything and empowering them by your Spirit to speak and write for our sake. So, Lord, please give us confidence. Please prepare us for mission. Please, might we know our Lord Jesus in his word and go out to the world to tell others about him. Please help us to do that. Help us when we're lacking confidence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.